Thank you uh, so much, band and choir, uh, for leading us uh, in that time of worship this morning. It's always a joy to celebrate the victories of God and celebrate who God is. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll continue our summer in the Psalms with Psalm 47. Psalm 47. It is a psalm of celebration. It is a psalm of victory. Uh, psalm 47. Uh, this past Friday was my 16th wedding anniversary. 16. She's put up with me in marriage for 16 years. We have been together uh, this September. See, I remember this. September 14th, we will have been together 21 years. I about said 22. So... Uh, I got her flowers for our anniversary. She didn't really like flowers, but I got her flowers anyway. And the card said that we had been together 17 years because apparently I can't do math, you know, so with a degree in math. But here's what we did. On Friday, we went to play putt-putt. She's, she's not going to be happy with me telling this story. We went to play putt-putt at Jocko's. Great place. Now, I don't think I've beat her in anything since I've known her. She's an athlete. She's, you know, she, she's gifted in that realm of things. Well, I beat her by five strokes. <laughs> now, to say that I was excited for the first time ever, usually she beats me by like 15 strokes, but I was on the game. Now, she'll tell you she had a bad day. It really wasn't that I had a good day. She had a bad day, okay? But believe you me, I grabbed my phone and I texted people. I was like, guess what I just did? I, I, and I knew people wouldn't believe me. So I took a picture of the, I'm going to frame the scorecard, okay? And it, because I celebrate my victory. I was excited. I texted Larson. I texted her parents. I texted my parents. I texted some random number that was in a Sunday school group chat that I didn't even know who it was. I texted everybody, Okay. That I was, that's celebrating a victory, okay? That's celebrating a victory. Uh, I was excited, I was excited, I was excited, I was excited. Psalm 47 is a celebration of a victory. Now, the, um, the introduction to the psalm simply says, for the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Now, the sons of Korah would have been Levites, uh, they could have been in the Levitical choir, uh, and we are, they, it is believed they are the ones who wrote this song. Now, we don't know whether or not it was, uh, we, we don't know the exact historical context of the passage. All we know is that it was written out of a sense of victory. It was written from a sense of celebration. It was written because God showed up and showed out in some magnificent way that the people of God were to celebrate and to let people know of God's victory. Uh, again, you can look through the Old Testament. There's a few different occasions that it could have been written. Uh, one of the most popular occasions that people seem to think is in 2 Kings 19. Uh, in 2 Kings 19, the king of Judah, uh, the southern kingdom, the king of Judah, his name is Hezekiah. And he faced a grave threat from the barbaric Assyrian army. The Syrians had already conquered Israel in the north 
they were brutal in their tactics. Uh, they, they used a lot of psychological warfare as they laid siege to the cities. And the king of Judah, Hezekiah, is facing this enemy. Uh, he, he, in, in, there's about 185,000 Assyrian soldiers ready to attack. Think about 185,000 Marines. Hoorah, right? 180,000 Marines who are ready to storm this city. The best of the best, the most barbaric tactics. And the king of Assyria sends a letter to Hezekiah basically saying, you just need to surrender. Your God cannot save you. The king of Assyria mocks the Jewish people. He mocks their king. And all Hezekiah can do, all he can do is take this letter into the, 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 the place of worship, the temple, and he throws the letter down on the altar of God and he prays. Hezekiah prays all night. He gave the letter to God. And he cried out for help. And that night, an angel of the Lord went into the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian troops. When God shows up, it is a reason to celebrate. Through God showed up, showed his power, showed his sovereignty, showed that he was king. And Psalm 47 uh, very well could be the song that was written after this event. And here's what it says. The sons of Korah write, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a jubilant cry, for the Lord most high is awe-inspiring, a great king over the whole earth. He subdues peoples under, under us and nations under our feet. He chose for us our inheritance, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. God ascends among shouts of joy, the Lord with the sound of trumpets. Sing praise to God, sing praise. Sing praise to our king, sing praise. Sing a song of wisdom, for God is king of the whole earth. It's kind of like the chorus. Verse 8, God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the peoples have assembled with the peoples of the God of Abraham. For the leaders of the earth belong to God and he is greatly exalted. Sing praise to God, sing praise. Sing praise to our king, sing praise. Sing a song of wisdom for God is king of the whole earth. I just repeated that chorus. It is a psalm of celebration. Here's what I want us to see. The main kind of thrust is when God shows up, we shout out. You can go to sleep now. That's the point of the whole passage. When, 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 we, when God shows up, we shout out. When God shows up, we shout out. There are three expressions of praise in this text. We see that the people are called to clap their hands, shout with a jubilant cry, and sing praises. Now, many of us have clapped our hands before. Any, anybody want to just try it with me? Just, just one time. One, two, three. We, oh, that was in unison. That was great. Let's, let's try two in a row. One, two, three. That makes me happy. See, we can do it. Now, I am my family's child. I couldn't clap on rhythm if somebody made me clap on rhythm. Here's what I have to do when, when, the con when clapping breaks out in worship. I have to look at somebody 
Anybody with me on that one? You have to watch when other people clap so you know when to clap. Please, somebody just raise your hand out of pity. There we go. <laughs> I, I, I love to clap. Uh, you know, we, we, we go to the, we, we are people who clap. We'll clap at ball games. We, we, I love the 4th of July parades and we go to Mount Pleasant, Faith, Oakborough, Haddam. When the soldiers come walking through with the flags, what do we do? We clap. We, I do anyway. We clap. We celebrate that and we should. And we celebrate victory. There is no greater victory than the victory we have in Jesus. We should clap about it. Even if you don't clap on rhythm, clap about it. Uh, we should shout with a jubilant cry. It's, uh, Chad mentioned to us this is a victorious, triumphant shout. Now, Chad preached his sermon on Psalm 100 about this loud, victorious cry. Uh, and, you know, and then we went to youth camp, and it was loud. It was decibels well over 100. It was loud. And we would shout, and we would, uh, well, the opening celebration was extremely loud. And we were shouting, we were dancing, we were clapping. We were jumping all because of who God is and what God has done. But it's not the shouting. Any of us can shout. This is a joyful, triumphant, declaring that God is victorious. It's not some uh, sleepy singing where we really don't want to do it. We really can't do it. Uh, it's not a whispering of victory. Now, I mean, I could have easily beat her in putt-putt and said, now, that would have been better for me long run, okay? But I was going to, I shouted it. Like, I use capital letters in the text message. That means I'm shouting. I didn't know that meant I'm shouting. I just hit the button twice. But that means I'm shouting. And we sing praises. I don't sing that well either. But we can make a joyful noise. We can sing to God. I, I think it's a, a tragedy that more people don't sing praises to God. And I know I'm as self-conscious as anybody because like the clapping and the tune that I carry in that bucket, my bucket's got a hole in it, okay? And so I, but I, we make a joyful noise to the Lord. We sing the praises to God. We clap our hands. We shout with joy. We can do all of these things anywhere else in life. But uh, many times people come to church and they just put their hands in their pockets and they, they're afraid to do it. And maybe it's a generational thing where we think it's not reverent to clap or it's not reverent to shout or it's not reverent to sing loudly. But yet you have throughout the scriptures and especially in the Psalms a whole nation of people who get excited about Jesus or get excited about God. They don't hide their excitement. They let it flow through them. And, and, and listen, I get it from me. Uh, Tim Hawkins has a really great comedian bit on the hand usage in worship. You should really watch it. It's funny. Uh, Tim Hawkins is kind of a Christian guy, so it's worthy of your time. But he talks about, you know, the, the, you know, the, the small little you know, wash the window hand raise. Yeah, this, this is kind of me. Or, or I, I like to rest uh, on my stomach. You know, it's, I know that not all of us worship the same way, and that's fine. And it's not necessarily about the actions, but it is about the attitude of the actions. It is an attitude of victory. Our favorite sports teams win. We're excited. Uh, you know, we, we watch something on TV that's great. It's, we clap. We, our kid does good in sports or ball games or we go to concerts. We, we clap and we sing and we do all these things because we have this attitude of enjoyment. We like being there. God has done more for us than anybody. 
He saved us from our sins. He rescued us. In this passage, he killed 185,000 attacking soldiers. It's okay to to, to shout and clap and to sing and to jump. It's okay to use different instruments. It is okay to worship. Now, I am not advocating for a charismatic environment where we're just running up and down the aisles going crazy. Okay, I, I don't... That's not me. I don't have a problem with that. Some people worship that way, but that's not what I'm advocating for. I'm just advocating for our hearts to be filled with joy when we see and understand what God has done. I want us to sing praises. I want us to lift our hands. I want us to shout. And I think maybe the reason we don't, the reason I don't, the reason you don't, is maybe we've just become comfortable being in church. Maybe we've been Christians for such a long time that we've just kind of forgotten or we've become complacent with what God has done. Maybe we just need to be reminded of the great love that has lifted us up from our sins into a relationship with God the Father. So not only do we see these expressions of praise, but we see at least four reasons for the praise in the passage. First is right there, God is awe-inspiring. God is awesome, some translations say. Our God is an awesome God. Everything he does, everything he has touched is absolutely awesome. And I know we throw that word around like it's nothing. We, you know, man, that cheeseburger is awesome. I have been wanting to use this particular word in a sermon since my daughter taught it to me. And she is now cringing her teeth. Bussin'. Which really refers to food, I think. But I'm an old millennial kind of guy who don't really know how to use modern day language. So when I say awesome, God is bussin'. Now if I really, like if I'm eating a steak and it's really, really good, I say bussin', bussin', which again, she makes fun of me because it's not really a real thing anymore. So we would say, God is awesome, awesome. See, I told you I was going to work it. She is so like cringe right now. I've, just, I've totally just blown it. But that is how awesome God is. I think the new one is slaps. God slaps, right? God is so absolutely fantastic in all he does. He is awe-inspired. Next, he is king. God is the king of the world. The world is his footstool. He sits on his throne as king of kings and lord of lords. We should worship and bow down to the king. He is in control of everything. He is sovereign over everything. And so that is why we worship. And then, listen, don't miss this. God chooses us, verse four. God chooses us for our inheritance, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. And I know when we start talking about choosing, we can get uncomfortable. And listen, God chooses us and then we have free will. I don't know how it works together. I just know that it works together somehow. But I'm not going to underline or gloss over or miss the fact that God in his sovereignty, God as king of the world, has chosen for us an inheritance. That God chose to send his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. That God chose to save us instead of destroying us. And if that doesn't give us reason to shout and clap and be jubilant, I don't know what does. The Bible, you know, Paul says in Ephesians that while we were yet dead in our sins and our trespasses, 
God, being rich in love and mercy, saved us through his son, Jesus Christ, and that he chose us before the foundations of the world to be his workmanship. God chose to deliver you. God chose to save you. God chose to send Jesus to die for you. And when we respond to that, to that and when we accept that free gift of salvation, it changes our life. Where the awesome King of Kings restores us from our brokenness, heals us from our hurting. And yet, too many people come to church just where's the joy? Where's the worship? We were dead in our trespasses, destined for an eternity in hell. Yet, God, but God, saves us. And the last thing I think we see here is godly worship is unifying. Godly worship is unifying. The nobles of the people have assembled with the people of God. At the very beginning, it says, clap your hands, all you people. Worship is a unifying response to what God has done. I want you to hear me. This, this is the reason. The fact that worship brings us together, that worship is a direct response to what God has done for us uh, from all walks of life, young, old, rich, poor. The Bible will talk about slaves and masters and Gentiles and Jews are unified by the gospel and are unified in their worship unified in their clapping, unified in their singing. When we get to heaven, we will be a unified people. All the nations, tribes, and tongues are going to be singing over and over and over again, holy, holy, holy is our Lord God Almighty. Over and over, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And if you don't like to worship, you're not gonna like heaven very much because we're gonna be in the throne room of God declaring the praises of God, the victories of God, Holy, holy, holy. It is no mistake that more churches have been divided over worship than any other issue because Satan has chosen to attack the very thing that can unify us and bring us together under the gospel. Two different styles, two different preferences. This versus that. Listen, the this versus that conversation is straight from the pit of hell because Satan has used it to divide God's people, to divide churches. It should never be about my preference or your preference. It's about worship. It's about singing, shouting, clapping praises to God. You can look throughout the whole Bible and see a unification of instruments, a unification of voices, all singing and declaring the praises of God. You can even look throughout the Bible and see the absence of instruments and just a cappella people singing praises to God. When we are united under the gospel, we are unified in our worship. Don't let Satan divide us. We shouldn't let the things that God has used to draw us together, we shouldn't let Satan spread us apart. 
But Satan's smart. He knows exactly where to attack us. He knows exactly what to do to put cracks in the unified church. But we should worship because it is unifying. Young, old, new, old, guitars, drums, harps, basses, lyres, all the instruments you can think of. There's even a ram's horn in this passage. The, you know, the sound of the ram's horn is going up. The trumpets of God. Violins. If it is used for the glory of God, then it is worship. It is worship. So clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout with God with, ju with, jubilant, with a jubilant cry, for the Lord Most High is all-inspiring. So when you wake up on a Sunday morning and you're tired and maybe it's raining outside and maybe you just don't want to come worship, No, just remember what God did for you. Remember the sacrifice he made for you. His only son died for you. That's a victory worthy of celebration because God showed up to save us. And when God shows up, we shout out. Let's pray together. Father, help us to be unified in our worship. Help us to see what you have done. Help us to see and recognize who you are as king, awesome, and savior. Help us to, to understand the sacrifice you made when you sent your son to die for us. Father, help us to respond with praise and worship. Don't let us to be afraid to express our worship with clapping, with singing, with jubilant cries. Uh, or just bowing our heads in reverent prayer, Father, just creating us a humble heart of worship where we're excited to be in the house of God, where we're excited to be in the presence of God and God's people. Don't ever let us forget what you've done for us. And Father, don't let us be divided over an issue that Satan uses to destroy us. Let us be unified in all that we do because it brings honor and glory to your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.